Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. It's good to be back. We were away for a week, and we just want to just say it was a blessing to be able to get away and uh, to see some family and, and, uh, you know, have some time together with them. Uh, so a lot of busy stuff going on, and, and uh, we're excited to be back and, and uh, still taking care of some of that stuff, but uh, a lot of fun, and I just want to thank you all for allowing us to go and be away. Uh, of course, I know things were covered here, and I and, uh, appreciate that so much, and we're just glad to be back, and we praise the Lord for uh, all He's done and all He's going to do. We're looking forward to this season, and then especially in the new year, uh, just anticipating uh, with faith and hope of what God's doing in our church and our in our lives, and, and uh, we're excited about it, and I hope you are as well. Uh, when I think of 2023, for me, the new year is just a special time, and uh, we've talked about that a little, and we'll do that again uh, right after Christmas, but I just like looking ahead and, and uh, setting new goals and getting ready, uh, you know, so that God can use you, and you need to do that. You need to think about some goals, some things you want to accomplish for the Lord next year, I've always told my kids, you know, it's easier to steer a car when it's moving. And so we need to get moving for the Lord so he can steer us and guide us uh, into the things that he has for us. And God's so good to always have good things in store. And even the, even the things that are not so good, we have Romans 8.28 to cover those, that we know that God's going to turn it into good, use it to good in our life and our benefits some way. And boy, we sure thank God for that. Well, we're glad you're here today, and we're glad we can fellowship together and rejoice and now worship our Savior together this Christmas season. Are you ready? Oh, it's a great time, isn't it? Matthew 25, if you found your place, then let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. I'll have prayer, and then right after that, we'll begin reading in verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14, we'll read down through verse 28. So let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, the difference that the truth makes in our lives. Lord, you said in your word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ and the liberty. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that sets us free. And we just ask you now, uh, Lord, to do your work in our lives. Use the truth of your word today to just encourage us, to strengthen us to motivate us, Lord, to help us, uh, Lord, as you see fit. Lord, you know the needs of all of our hearts and lives, and so we just ask that you'd speak to us, that you'd guide us, that you'd teach us, instruct us, Lord, whatever, whatever the, the case might be. Make the Word of God personal, that we might grow thereby. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Matthew 25, verse 14, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two he also gained other two. But he that, re- he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. 
After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, and reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should receive mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Wow, what a story. This story illustrates for us the situation that you and I are in. As the Lord has given us talents and abilities, and one day too, will come again. And so I want to preach on this thought this morning. When Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, thank you, you may be seated. Matthew chapter 24, if you turn back, is a prophetic chapter. And it deals with end times and end time events. And in Matthew 24, there's an interesting verse, if you'll look back there for, he says in verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. You know, I believe when Jesus comes, God wants to find us believers busy. I think he wants to find us occupying in the fields that he's given us. I think the Lord wants to find us ready for his return. Think about it this morning. When Jesus comes... This is the Christmas season, and this is a time when we think about his first coming, his birth in Bethlehem. And just as real as that coming was, the second coming also is real. Jesus is coming again. And the, the question this morning for us is to think about when Jesus comes, are we ready? I want you to notice in our text this morning, there's some things that you and I should consider about the Lord's coming. In light of the Lord's return, there's some things that should speak to us. There's some things that should motivate us. There's some things that you and I ought to give some thought to. 
Notice in verse 19, the Bible says in this text, After a long time, the Lord of those servants, what? Let's say it together. After a long time, the Lord of those servants, what? Cometh. You can underline that word and write in the margin of your Bible if you're in the habit of taking notes there. Jesus is coming again. The Lord cometh. I want you to notice the return. The return. Hey, you know, it's easy for us to believe that Jesus came. And as confident as you are about his first coming, you can be that confident about his second coming. His first coming was foretold in the Old Testament scriptures. It was promised and it took place. It did happen just as the Lord said it would. And in so, uh, in, in like manner, his second coming will happen. The Bible prophesies his return, his second coming. And we are looking forward to those events, to those days. As I've watched the, the headlines and the news, as I've watched uh, our, our political scene, and as I've watched the technological advancement of our society and our world, you know, for the first time in my lifetime, I'm looking at headlines and I'm thinking about the Lord's return. And, and all up until recent years, I've always said the Lord could come back anytime, but it just doesn't seem like the right time. It just seems like there's some more that has to happen before what I'm reading in the Bible could be fulfilled. But here lately, folks, I've been looking at headlines and I've been looking at scripture. And guess what? The gap between uh, those two events is gone. Technology has caught up. And the ability to, to, for the things to take place that the Bible says will take place is now here. It's on the horizon. It's here strategically things are being put into place and I believe our world leaders are totally ignorant of what they're doing but like pieces in a chess game everything is being set for the Lord's return and I remember recently thinking about a, a bill that was passed by our president I remember thinking about things that are being put into place saying this is what will make it possible for the Lord to come very soon very soon. I used to not be able to envision the Lord's return in my lifetime. I always thought it'll be later, maybe the next generation. Because we weren't in a position for the things that were prophesied to happen, to happen now. But as I'm watching the scene today, my mind has totally changed. And I'm saying they're putting the last pieces together so that very soon, very soon, the pieces will be in place and the Lord could come. It is very likely that he could come in our lifetime, just based on what's being put into place, what's being implemented. Folks, this is, this is amazing. This is exciting. If you're, if you, hey, if you believe in the Lord and his return... If, if you've been looking forward to his coming, I want you to know that we need to look at this return with, with new, uh, new eagerness, with new excitement, knowing that it could happen at any moment. The Bible has a lot to say about the return of the Lord. Let me give you just a couple of verses. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 11, the Bible says that 
the angel said to the disciples as Jesus ascended from their midst. They said to them, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, the apostle Paul wrote, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Matthew 24, 42, I just read a moment ago, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Verse 44 says, Therefore be ye also ready, ready, ready for the Lord's return. Why is this important? I believe it's important because I think we've gotten nestled into comfort. And I think many believers today are not living as if the Lord could come back in their lifetime. Many believers today are drifting from one day to the next. They're floating through life and they're not ready for the Lord's return. Theologically, we believe it's imminent, but practically we don't live that way. Yet the Bible says, be ready for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. Hey, I want to ask you a question. If you got a call on Thursday evening, as you're sitting around casually in your living room, just imagine what you'd be doing on a Thursday evening. I don't know. But if you got a call on a Thursday evening, the preacher's coming to your house. What would you do? Would there be a mad scramble to get ready? How much more of a scramble would there be if we knew Jesus was coming? What if he came tonight? Are you ready? What if he came before next Sunday? Because we always like to compartmentalize it into Sundays, right? I'm going to do my spiritual work Sunday. Sometimes we say, I'll do it next Sunday. I wonder how many next Sundays we have before the Lord comes back. Oh, don't put it off too long, friend. You may be disappointed. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready to stand before his presence? You know, we, we don't understand sometimes. We don't remember sometimes. I think we don't think about what we're doing and how we're living in such a way to remember that our life down here is going to determine our life ever after. And when we meet the Lord, we're going to want to come not empty-handed as the, as the man with the one talent. We don't want to show up empty-handed. We want to meet God with, with some fruit of our labor. We want to meet God having accomplished some things for Him down here in this life. I know a preacher that asked this question one time. He said, what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? <laughs> what a good question. What have you done for Jesus? You know, the songwriter said, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Think about that. How many hours have we wasted? How many hours have we spent for him? Are you ready for the Lord's return? Have you done what God wanted you to do? I heard of a man one time who spent his life in a certain career and, and all during those years, he was going to church and faithful at his church. And God had put a call on his heart. 
And he had answered that call and he said, hey, when I retire, I'm going to do mission work. When I retire, and he said that no doubt year after year, when I retire, when I retire, when I retire. Well, can I tell you something, friend? He didn't know that he would never have that opportunity. Because right around his retirement, right before or right after, I don't remember which, he received his call to glory. So what does that mean? That means he had good intentions. That means he set goals for way in the future that he never got to accomplish. How about you? Do you have things that God wants you to do? Do you have things on your heart? Do you have things that you keep telling yourself, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this? Hey, I'm telling you, time's a-wasting. We're burning daylight. I'm telling you, weeks are passing, days are passing, years are passing. And you know what? You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. His return is imminent. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate. Don't put off what God has laid on your heart to do. Because one day, you'll want to meet him with the fruit of that labor. And you'll want to lay that at his feet and give him glory. And while others are doing that in heaven... Can you imagine what it would feel like for you to be standing there empty-handed? No wonder the songwriter wrote, Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? Think about how you would feel standing before the Lord empty-handed. Hey, I want you to notice the return. When Jesus comes, he is coming. There is a return. But not only that, notice verse 19 says, after a long time, and it may seem like a long time, but he is coming again. And the Bible says he cometh and reckoneth with them. He's going to reckon with all his servants. He's going to settle the accounts. He's going to bring that reckoning. So notice not only the return, but the reckoning in verse 19. He reckoneth with them. We usually use the word judgment instead of the word reckoning. And we say that we're going to be judged before the Lord. And that's true. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian believers, and he was writing this for believers. There is a judgment. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But I want you to understand, there are two separate judgments. Those who die without Christ will face judgment at the great white throne judgment. They will be judged, and they will be proven guilty of their sins, and they will be cast into hell. That is already determined. But those who are believers in Jesus Christ will not attend that judgment. They have a judgment of their own. It's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10. They will go not to the great white throne judgment. They will go to the judgment seat of Christ. Where their works will be evaluated. And what they've done for the Lord will be measured. 
Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me show you this judgment for Christians, for believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible explains it for us. Paul, again, writing to the Corinthian believers. Notice in verse 11, he said, For other foundation can no man lay than, than is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Now look at verse 13 and circle the word work. Every man's work shall be made manifest. He didn't say every man's sins will be made manifest. That's the other judgment at the great white throne. In this judgment for believers, we weren't, we're not going to face our sins. Our sins were dealt with on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid in full for those. When we accepted Christ as our Savior and received forgiveness of sins, all of that was wiped away. We will not stand in judgment for that. Praise God. But we will stand in judgment for our work. What did we do in our lifetime for Jesus. That is what is going to be examined at this judgment. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire that shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, he didn't say what size. He said what sort, what kind. What is he talking about? Well, in context, he's talking about is your, the, your life's work, is it going to be Wood, hay, or stubble? Or is it going to be in that other category? Is it going to be gold and jewels and precious stones? What kind of work do you have and what are you going to bring to him? The Bible says your work is going to be tried in the fire. Okay, so for example, what does fire do to gold? Fire refines gold. It purifies it. But what does fire do to wood, hay, and stubble? It burns it up and it'll be gone. Amen? Now you might say, what is this fire that's going to try our work? If you go to Revelation chapter 19 and 20, you can read about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible gives a description of him. I'm not going to have time to go there and read all of that. But the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord Jesus are as a burning fire. And so who is going to examine our life and our work? It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The discerning eyes of Jesus. The one who knows you. The one who knows your heart, your life, your testimony, your motives. He's the one who's going to determine what you bring. Whether it's wood, hay, and stubble or gold and precious stones. The Lord is going to decide that. He's going to examine our work. The Bible says in verse 14, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What does that mean? Well, that means the Lord knows them that are his. It's, it means the discerning eyes of Jesus. Right? Also know who's his and who's not his. 
We'll stop there for the for the for this uh, portion of the message because we're looking now at the reckoning, the reckoning, the judgment, standing before Jesus and laying your life's work at His feet. Hey, friends, if that happened today, what would you have to lay at His feet? What what is it that He would be examining? What is it that you've done for Him? Are you content? Are you happy? Are you satisfied with what you've put together? With what you would have to offer? Because if not, I, I, I suggest that we get busy. Because the Lord's return is imminent. And there is the reckoning where we will stand before the Lord and He will evaluate our life's work. And just like those guys with the talent. Hey, did you notice that? One man said, Lord, you gave me five talents and, and I invested those and I gained five more talents. So now he's got ten. And he brings that and he offers it back to his Lord. And the Lord said what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Did you notice the guy that had two talents also invested his two talents and he gained other two? So how many does he have? Only four. But when he presented it to his Lord, his Lord didn't say, well, hey, how come he has ten and you have four? The Lord didn't say that at all, did he? He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hey, I want to ask you, have you ever considered that both of those who worked for the Lord got the same welcome? They got the same congratulations? They were not compared one with another? And the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, when we compare ourselves among ourselves, what did he say? We are not wise. God is going to judge you based on your ability and your opportunity, not someone else's. Just because someone else was able to multiply more than you did, or somebody else was able to excel, maybe in an area where you don't excel. That doesn't mean you're inferior to them or less than them. God's not comparing you to them. So why are you comparing you to them? The Bible says God is giving to every man, every woman, according to our ability. You know what? He judges us that way also. God knows who we are. He knows what we have. He knows what our opportunities are. And you know, we at, we at least need to be able to say, like, like it was said of the widow woman, she hath done what she could. Have you done what you can? I'm afraid sometimes we say that for convenience. Well, I did what I could. Really? It's okay if that statement is true, but if we're stretching it a bit, if we're using it like a band-aid to cover our lack of preparation, then I'm afraid, friends, we're going we're gonna to stand before the Lord with maybe less than what we ought to bring. We shouldn't be coming with two talents when we're a five-talent Christian. Right? What have you done for Jesus? The reckoning. I want to encourage you, though, not to compare yourself with others, just to make sure that you are using your abilities, your talents, your opportunities. The things that God has given you, make sure you're using that for Him. And when you do that, 
then you're getting ready for his return and you're getting ready to hear that same well done, thou good and faithful servant. But today, if there's something that's on your heart, if there's something God wants you to do and you've kept putting it off and you've kept saying maybe next year, maybe tomorrow, friend, there's time. You you might want to reconsider that because the time's getting close. And I know I wouldn't want to stand before the Lord and say, boy, I wish I would have. You know, I wish I had gone ahead and done that. I wish I hadn't put it off. What a sad day that would be. The reckoning is coming. The Bible says in verse 19 that the Lord came and reckoned with them. You know, God's going to reckon with us. He's going to take a look at what we've done for him. And I hope it'll be gold and silver and precious stones. I hope it'll be precious in the sight of the Lord when we give him our life's work. How about next? Not only do we have the return, the reckoning, notice the Lord brings with him the rewards. The Bible says in verse 20 of our text in Matthew 25, it says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter out into the joy of thy Lord. And the same thing happened with the two-talent person right after that. Behold, I have gained other talents, two other talents beside them. Verse 23, and his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Did you hear that? You have been. This is what you did on earth. And then he said, I will make thee ruler over. Where do you think that's going to happen? In heaven. So God is going to assign us our life work in heaven based on what we did down here. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it. What are they doing in heaven? Well, I think right now they're doing a whole lot of waiting. And I know in the book of Revelation, they begin to ask, Lord, how long? How long are we going to wait? But I know there's coming a time when the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And when we occupy that place that God has prepared for us, he's going to have assignments ready. And we're going to be given responsibilities there based on what we've earned and what we've done down here. It's another reason to get busy. But it's part of the reward. It's part of the reward that God's going to give to his servants. Be thou ruler over many things, he said. Notice God is measuring man according to his ability. He looks at our ability and our opportunity. And then he rewards accordingly. We read a moment ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to go back and just read one verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse uh, 14. Notice the Bible says, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Are you looking forward to the rewards of heaven? We don't really know what they all are. 
We don't know what the many things are going to be. God doesn't give us all the information about heaven and eternity and and the time uh, of future tense. But he does tell us that when we live for him, when we serve him, there will be a reward. In Matthew 6, verse 4, it says that thine alms may be in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. There's coming a day when we're going to stand before God and he's going to hand out those rewards. And the Bible says he's going to do it openly. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. There's a lot of ways to serve the Lord, and there's a lot of things you can do to get a reward in heaven. We need to get busy. One day, our Lord will return, and there will be a reckoning when Jesus comes. And there will be rewards. Dear friends, do you have some rewards waiting? I want to show you in our, in our text, back in Matthew chapter 25, there's one other thing that we need to consider. And this is the whole reason for the message. Because I think this is the reason why we need to think about when Jesus comes. Because in verse 27, notice what he said. Remember the servant who did nothing? The servant who just waited for the Lord to return? And he just took that talent, remember? And he hid it in the ground. He just buried it. He wanted to take no risk. He thought he was being safe. Notice in verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. You know, we wouldn't think of somebody like that who just kind of sat on the talent to protect it. We wouldn't think of them as wicked, but that's what he was called. Wicked and slothful, lazy. Hey, let it not be said of us that we've been lazy for Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 27. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. There should have been some gain, some fruit Somewhere. Notice the Lord has an expectation from us that we should use some of our talents, some of the time to accomplish something. Notice what he said in verse 27, thou oughtest. You see that word oughtest? You might circle that. And next to that in your Bible, write the word responsibility. When Jesus comes... He's going to have an expectation from us because he has given us a responsibility. Things that he wants us to do until he comes. What are those? Well, there's a lot of them, but let me give you a couple. How about to witness? We have a responsibility to witness. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We know what that teaching is. It's giving the gospel. You know, we have to teach people. 
the gospel. We have to help them understand that they need Jesus. Because most people think they're pretty good. They think they're, they're good enough to get to heaven on their own. That's why they don't know they need Jesus. Because they say, well, you know, I'm good. I've never killed anybody. Hey, I, I go to church once in a while. They say, maybe I've paid my taxes, right? There's nothing in the Bible that says any of that will get you to heaven. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if we die without Jesus, then the Bible says we die in our sins. Which means we'll end up in the lake of fire at that great white throne judgment one day. So we have to teach people that they need Jesus because they are sinners. Because we're all guilty. And if Jesus had never come to die on the cross, none of us would have hope. He is the one who saves us, not ourselves. We have a responsibility to witness, but also we have a responsibility to walk in newness of life. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, dear friend, then you ought to be endeavoring to live a life that's pleasing to him. Which means you're going to end up living a life that is far different from how you lived before you met him. Because before you met Jesus, you were serving self and you were serving sin. And after you meet Jesus, your desire is to serve the Savior. And that ought to cause new activities, new involvement. Uh, that ought to produce a change in your life. The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's, uh, there's songs and there's stories and poems all about living the Christian life. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away and all things are become new. And you and I should bear witness of that in our lifestyle and the way we live. We should be endeavoring to learn the Bible and, and, and live out Christian principles in our life. We have a responsibility not only to witness and to walk for the Lord, we have a responsibility to work for the Lord, to work for him. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The work of the Lord. Well, when we serve the Lord and when we serve others, when we witness and, and we disciple and we do all these things, we're ultimately serving Christ. And if, you're, and if you're thoroughly living the Christian lifestyle, then you understand that you're serving the Lord even when you're at work. That your real boss isn't not the person that signs your check or that supervises your schedule or your activities. Your real boss is Jesus and when you go to work every day, you're really trying to please him in all that you do instead of that person whose name appears on the line. Isn't that right? Hey, in that way, our whole life becomes a work when we live for the Lord and we honor him with our life and our deeds. We serve the Lord and he becomes everything to us, the centerpiece of our life. Hey, I'm telling you what. 
Jesus, his way is the best way. And when you put him first, it affects everything else in such a good way. And God gets the glory when we love him that much. We're not ashamed to call him our savior and to live in a way that honors and glorifies him in what we do. What a blessing. The responsibility that the Lord has given us should help get us ready for the return and the reckoning and the rewards. If you want to be ready when Jesus comes, dear friend, let's get busy in the responsibilities that he's given us. Because when we do what God has called us to do, then we are positioning ourselves. We're building on that foundation, like Paul said, with with gold and precious stones, and we're preparing for his return. We're preparing ourselves for the reckoning, and we're getting ready for those rewards. They will come. The Bible says when the Lord comes, he's going to bring those rewards with him. Hey, what, how exciting that's going to be. You know, not that we're worthy. Paul talked about receiving those crowns. Listen, we're not going to be worthy in heaven to walk around with a crown. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to be so glad to get there. We're going to be in awe of our Savior. And the Bible says that the multitudes of heaven are going to take their crowns and they're going to cast them at his feet. And they're going to say, thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. And you know what? On that day when we're all standing around and everybody's casting their crowns at Jesus' feet, I don't want to be saying, well, I wish I had something to give. I wish I had something to honor him with. Isn't that right? Let's get busy. Let's serve the Lord today so that we're going to be ready when Jesus comes. Let's pray together. Lord, how we love you today and how we thank you so much for coming the first time. We thank you so much for the, the celebration of Christmas and the story of forgiveness. And, and Lord, we know that you came so that you could die, so that we could be saved. And with that same joy and enthusiasm, Lord, we think of your second coming. And Lord, we so want to be ready when Jesus comes. And we just ask you to help us now. Stir our hearts. Show us what you'd have us to do. Show us what we need to be doing. Lord, if there are things we missed, if there's things we've neglected, Lord, if there's maybe things we haven't even considered, we ask that you'd bring them to heart and mind just now so that we might do them and be busy doing what you've called us to do. Blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh shall find so doing. Lord, we ask you now to show us what you want us to be doing. Help us to get ready. For when Jesus comes, thank you for loving us, we pray in Jesus' name.